Alexander, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. I'm really excited. And our pre-call a few days ago really helped a lot on this topic because this is a slight divergent from what I've been doing with regards to color grading, but it's all part of where things need to go. So thanks for that. And I'll start with a little intro here, um, largely inspired by you. So I'm beginning to think that color is more than just a well-defined, well-behaved set of terms that we all share regarding the physical ordering of colors and um, our assignment of use of colors in society and culture. We tend to think of color as physical measurements of light, and we're taught that in school, and we also have a lot of psychological responses to colors that we're taught culturally or in the family or in the society. Uh, and in fact, uh, global advertisers count on these rather predictable results for more sales, as uh, we sometimes uh, realize all too late after we've purchased things. But here's the deal. Color is what you make it. And Alexander is going to help make that point here. In the same way that music can be defined in terms of pitch and interval and duration, you know, color can be defined as hue, saturation, and value, or luminance, as we call it as a colorist. But like music, color is not something you can only be described by its physical presence. It's how you feel about the music and how you notice its influence that makes the difference. And that's so with color, very much so. It's how you make it. And so I say, let's challenge the established rules. The tools are here now as colorists to do whatever we want to. The filmmakers have 4K and above to do what they want to with regards to digital creation of stories. So why are we constrained with all of the ways in which we've been thinking about color or for a lot of us who don't even have much exposure to color and just respond unconsciously? to what's going on around us. So I couldn't think of a better way than to sort of break through this than to collaborate with one particular amazing person, the man here in this video, who looks beyond the convention of defining, feeling, and using color, uh, who I ran across through these Munsell.com blog posts, which we'll talk about later. And this man believes in helping others find their way of defining and using and feeling color colors. And his name is Alexander Machesheth. I get that right, Alexander? You did. You're very good. Okay, good. Well, we're here today with him. And Alex is a New York visual artist. And thank you for being on the show. And thank you for listening to that rather long intro. I appreciate it. That's fine. I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, let's get started then. On our pre-call, call, you told me a little bit about your training, your traditional training as an artist, which kind of matches up with what we're saying here. And you came to a point where you began to challenge this. So talk to us about that. What, what shifted in you? What, what happened? Well, that's kind of like the usual path, like with artists and creative people in general. They, they're uh, taught a lot of things in school and they, they're just, after that, they just try to avoid them and break them. Hmm. And the uh, thing with color is that I became very frustrated with it. Uh, it always came last. I, my practice covers graphic and web design and all sorts of visual arts and contemporary visual forms. So uh, 
during my practice, uh, it was always about the form, it was always about the idea, and, uh, and the color always came last. And it was always something like, oh, I don't want to do this, now I have to just paint something <laughs> over it, it's just so, just so boring, do, do I really have to do this? <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't understand color uh, as a really powerful means of expression, right. it was just something that you were taught that you just have to to use. Right. So you know, I blame uh, no matter my, uh, no matter how much we have to be grateful for Bauhaus and Johannes Eaton and Joseph Albers and etc. etc. Uh, all our schools are plagued with these color wheels and color harmonies and color matching and uh, all sorts of contrasts and rules and stuff that uh, are on. In a weird way, they're interesting from a mathematical point of view, right. but they're very, very constraining. They're f they're really frustratingly constraining. So I found that boring. I found that limiting. So uh, for a very long time, I treated color as something that you just add because you just have to add it. It just has to be in color. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you know, from a physiological and physical point of view, everything we see is always colored. So, so there are no such things as colorless. When you everything, were using color, did you tend to only use just certain ones? Or? Exactly. Very primary palette, like, you know, uh, black, white, and red. Very black, white, Russian. Yeah. Very Russian uh, 20s, uh, like uh, uh, Russian avant-garde and constructivism. <laughs> you know, it's like the safest way to go. I think even um, the architect Bernard Chumi uh, has a book that says red is not color. A lot of people mention that that uh, black and uh, that black and white are not colors. So red is all is also not a color. It's so there. It's uh -huh. so present. It's so part of that that it's not even a color. So basically, that's what I did. And after a while, I would just started wondering. Actually, the frustration was I felt that I was missing something huge, something huge and exciting and interesting. I've been seeing people around me really enjoying color, enjoying working with color. And I was like, okay, I'm missing something huge here, and I don't know what it is. So five years ago or so, uh, to be quite precise, it's April the 1st, 2009, mm -hmm. when I started this little experiment. And the rules are super simple. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm just going to pick a color from an RGB color picker in Photoshop yeah. and post it as an emotional summary of my entire day. I wanted to, my aim was to get rid of everything that I was taught in school, everything that I'm surrounded with in terms of culture, language, gender, commerce, all that stuff, and try to establish my own personal relationship with colors. So it was basically a very basic blog on Blogger, and, and, it's, and it's still there. And the only thing that I would do at the end of the day is to think about my day uh, in terms of emotions, mm -hmm. and I would, I'm trying to like, oh, it was like this or that. I was. Uh, it's it's hard, of course, to describe your entire day like in a very minimal amount of uh, information. But I wanted to try, 
So anyway, at the end of the day, I will describe my entire day with a single color. There's millions of colors right. in the RGB scale, so just mix. And it's a very, it's a very, it's a very interesting meditative, introspective process. Very, very precious to me because you just sit down for a minute or two, forget about everything, and just think about your day. Just think about how you felt, and you glide with your picker, and then you realize, oh my God, this is. Oh, this is it. This is this is the color. The less you think about it, the better. Right. So basically, that's not a new thing either. That colors are so much about actually emotions. Right. That's how that's how actually colors work. You were mentioning They're, you were mentioning in our pre-talk that uh, you were making reference to David Lynch movies. Mm, exactly. And I would just go back to your uh, to your. Mm, comparison with music music is actually even more exact than 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 colors because everybody can hear a particular tone in the same way mm -hmm. and it's pretty exact and it can be very mathematical and it can be very precise right. and can be easily reproduced so color is impossible to reproduce <laughs> unless we're dealing with the standardized systems like Mansell or Pantone or Oswald and, and stuff like that yeah and it's a very very elusive field of research and feel of creativity that is that can be really frustrating, but it's a bottomless, you know, treasure trove. It's just it is it is absolutely amazing. Well, let, let's let's um, um, dig in on a couple of things that were big influences for me, and we'll, we'll, I want to keep coming back to the Chroma Post project because that's mm -hmm. the that's a, such an amazing thing. And I'll just toss in I, I've been trying it now for the last three days. And, uh, you know, at first it was kind of like, eh, what's just one color? I don't know. And then I said, okay, I just relax, just relax and move those uh, sliders around. And it's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. I don't know what it was, but I mean, it was, I just, the, it was the color. I don't know why, but it felt right. You're right. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the point. The, the main problem when I'm when I'm explaining my Chrome Post project, and we're gonna explain it much more yeah. later, uh, in more detail, is when I talk about it, people find it very trivial. It's like you yeah. just pick one color. Is that it? I mean, like, what's the point? And there is this beautiful tweet uh, from like I don't know four or five years ago. I have it on my uh, website, chromepost.com, and somebody posted it like, oh, these colors, that is so just two and then like three dots. Oh my God, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so funny. It, 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 in a nutshell, that's how actually people react because you just have to try it. It's like, it's like sex. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree. I mean, I, I think to some degree, it's very paradoxical. You come to this notion of picking one color that represents where you are in the moment, how you're bringing yourself to, the, to your life, or how you brought yourself to life for the day, for instance. And the, the paradox is that you think that, okay, it's either red, green, blue, violet, magenta. You know, it's like those are all defined, and there are people who have said that when it's red, I feel this way, and when it's blue, I should feel sad, and when it's, you know, it's so like, why do I have to pick a color that's already defined? But that's not the point. The point exactly. is... The point is not to pick, it's to mix. It's to yeah, it's to find, come to the color, bring yourself to a color that represents how you feel. And... 
to me, although I'm still kind of working on this whole notion with regards to independent filmmakers in particular, people who, who are doing great storytelling and they're, and they're just sort of evolving their sense of what color is about, is that, you know, is that, yes, there are these well-defined social descriptions and definitions of what color means potentially in various cultures, um, you can you can have that and use that, but you can have this other side. But let's talk about that. So you've got these three or four months old articles. At some point, I guess you felt inspired. I don't know if we want to go back to David Batchelor or not, but you began to dig in on this inspiration of asking why that color. And I know, did David Batchelor's book sort of pop you in that direction, or uh, no? Exactly, uh, it did not. It would... What popped me in that direction was actually uh, Chromepost project. Oh, the Chromepost success. Okay, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it is just it, it it is all connected. Okay. My one of my main aims in Chromepost project is to get rid of of all these influences that tilt us. Uh, towards this or that color. And I was wondering, what are these mechanisms? What are the influences? Can we get rid of them? We can't. Here's the answer <laughs> right away. Yeah. And what can we do about it? And can it enrich, can it enrich our experience and expression right. of color right. if we are aware of all these influences? Right. And there's, not, there's not a lot of literature generally on color. And I haven't read a book about it. So I just, you know, started thinking for myself. I had a series of lectures called it Why That Color in Belgrade in Mixer House. And after that, a friend of mine connected me with, with Munsell.com. And they were willing to, to like, you know, they were really happy, like, to have me on their team of bloggers to write about why that color. Right. Actually, to dissect what I, to, to, to write about what I said in my, in my, in my lectures. So, basically, what the blog is all about, and as title says, why that color, exactly, why that color, mm -hmm. and, not, and not this color, or that color. Why do you pick this one? Why did you pick socks? Why did you pick red socks or that green shirt? And why did you pick like a blue sofa? Right. Why did you do that? So I was always like wondering about that because that that's where all these influences lie. Anyway, um, I divided all these influences in kind of like, there's going to be 10 blog posts, 10 chapters. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be ten chapters. So far, there is five. Okay. The sixth, yeah. the sixth, there was a summer break. The sixth chapter about commerce is coming out this week. Oh, fascinating! So stay tuned. Go to muscle.com blog. Yeah. And uh, so overall, there's like an intro and end lines, mm -hmm. but there's like eight chapters that address gender, culture, language, commerce. Um, uh, art history, color theory, and memories. What I find really interesting is, is that last chapter, memories, and that's why I always leave it last. But generally what I try to do in all these posts is within these uh, subtopics to define how all these things influence our perception of color, how we see color, mm -hmm. and our expression with color, how we express ourselves with color. You know, for instance, like, you know, like, the usual stuff like with gender. Why are boys are blue and girls are pink? 
<laughs> it's a great story. Only, only, only less than a hundred years ago, there was a department store in the United States that advertised pink for boys and blue for girls. Wow. With a very, with very explicit explanation that pink is very strong masculine color, and blue is very, is very gentle. It's very, it's very girlish. How fast. So it's all a matter. Everything, everything. When it comes to meaning, now I'm just going to slip a little bit into philosophy. Not too much. That's fine. I want a little philosophy but, here. Yeah. Yeah. But meaning generally is something that we assign, something that does not exist. Mm -hmm. It's kind of rooted in my love for a general existentialist philosophical frame of mind that says that existence precedes the essence. There's no essence without existence. There's no meaning right. unless we unless we assign that meaning to it. Right. So that's basically very huge brushstroke, like underlining of everything that I do in my life, <laughs> including <laughs> this. So basically, everything about colors, uh, all the meaning, there are assigned meanings. Colors can mean literally anything. Right. It depends on culture, it depends on your gender, it depends on the age, it depends on the technology, it depends on million and million of other things. But uh, all these meanings uh, influence our perception of color and expression with color because we are social beings. We are, we are, we, you know, everything uh, we we kind of like soak everything from our surroundings. You know, when I when I see a lot of I don't know red shirts in the street of New York, I'm like, hmm, maybe it's, maybe I didn't notice it. Maybe I wasn't aware of that that I noticed that or didn't. But maybe I'll buy a red shirt. Maybe it's cool. Maybe I'm gonna fit in. <laughs> or maybe find if if I if I want a different effect, maybe I'll just oh oh now I'm just going to buy green. Okay, because everybody's wearing red right. and stuff like that. Right. So. All these like, and we just assign, we assign meaning to it, and all these mechanisms, uh, there's layers and layers, and they're very complex mechanisms that, are, that I'm trying to dissect, affect us in a way, uh, the way how we choose colors. So to and that end, one of the points you made, and it's certainly one of the ones that I guess that you really echoed with, with regards to David Bachelor is, what the heck is this fascination with white? My training. Yeah, my, your training. That's the point I was getting at. Was exactly. Um, <laughs> my background is architecture. I have a degree in architecture, and that's you cannot find a better better area to see that the form is like the main thing. The color is so insignificant and so not important. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is the form. And everything is white, you know, the, the, with the like international style of like the uh, earlier uh, 20th century, uh, the whitewash was introduced as like a universal value. Yeah. And even I bought a, a Lego architecture studio, and guess what? Uh, all the blocks are white. <laughs> They're white. All the blocks are of white. Of course. Exactly, and this is how you make architecture. So that's very that that brings us to the beginning of our conversation about how um, color is actually not that important. Yeah, you know how color is not that important, how it's not influential, but uh, how it, how um, uh, it's not essential, but it's very very influential. Yeah, great phrase. It's not essential, but it's very influential. Exactly. So the color is always the last somehow it ends up as the last thing. So let me just go back to bachelor and chromophobia and white. It's about culture. Uh, what he writes about is Western culture, something that is like Western Europe and, and generally United States. That's what 
I consider culturally to be Western culture. Right. All the all other cultures, the rest of the world, which is huge, <laughs> you know, doesn't suffer from this. Yeah. They're much more free when it comes to usage of color and different colors and much, much, much more free. I wouldn't go that far, you know, but it's not hard to imagine that, you know, all this white, we cannot we can relate that to race too. Yeah. You know, this love of white. <laughs> but that's altogether a different story. Um, white was like introduced something as neutral, something even more as natural, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something very often in architecture is, as he describes it, very uh, repelling. It doesn't, although it's like a black can it's like a blank canvas. It's actually not. It doesn't. It doesn't stand anything. Yeah. Everything you put there, it doesn't fit. So it's a very. That's a very interesting story about the uh, about the culture. And I actually mentioned this book uh, in my uh, installment about culture, about culture and color. Well, in, uh, in particular, from a filmmaking, if I may, um, it fits in with what you're saying on all all points here, both architecture and uh, in David's book, The Chrome Post. He references at the beginning walking into a friend's home. It's all. It's an architectural friend's home. Everything's all white. Just as I was reading that book, I was I was watching the last episode of The Killing on Netscape on uh, Netflix, and um, uh, or oh, the last uh, series, I should say. And the whole thing was centered around this home on the coast of Seattle that was stunningly beautiful, all glass, all white. I mean, everything. The doorknobs, everything was white, solid white. And underneath that white of pure of perceived purity was the darkest shadows one would ever imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, you can actually, yeah, we can go down that road. Yeah, that's another. Lot. That's another one. We can go down the road a lot. Because, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, the whitewash it means whitewash. Like, yeah. Exactly. So, so uh, yeah, there's like a big fear. There's a huge fear of color in Western culture. Yeah. Which, which sounds absurd because then again, I'll go back, everything is colored. So you cannot fear the color because everything is colored. Right. But of intense, of intense colors. And I wrote about that too, especially, especially about the Western culture, you know, like, um, all their, all the intensive colors and bright colors are considered to be for women, for kids, for gay people. Yeah. And everything that is not, white straight male white straight male wears or uses only these subdued elegant grays browns ochres beiges blacks and right. all that stuff right, right. so exactly. there's this like this whole story that we can like develop from this but the fact is there is a big fear of color in western culture well so let's get back to your experiment which was a meant to sort of a, a self-defined inspiration to explore what color really means in your life the chroma post exactly and uh you you had some more you wanted to say about that or or tell us or show us yes absolutely there's a lot to what happened you've been doing this five years now right exactly it's been five years now and it's been branching into a variety of directions first i just started when I started the blog, you have like one color and two colors and three colors and okay, I'm like, okay, I finished my April. Yeah. <laughs> but I was kind of very persistent about it. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up. I just want to see the trend. I, I just want to see what happens. Yeah, see what happens, right. Exactly. And after a while, you just, you just see these kind of like trends and waves in color. So actually, when you post one color, it doesn't mean a lot. Yeah, right. 
when when you when you're very consistent about it when you do it every day you're kind of like in a mood you you get yourself in this like mindset of like oh really relating your emotions to color mm -hmm. and you have this like amazing color quilt you have this amazing color feed a collection of colors a sequence of colors that of course it prompted in me immediately to make some art out of it, mm -hmm. especially after a year. It was probably after a year where there was already like 365 colors and you could see like the changes and trends and tendencies based on the weather and my mood and, and months and seasons and blah, blah, blah. So I started to use these colors in a very deadpan way. So I would just take a chunk of my sequence Swap and make, exactly just no m mixing or matching yes. no rearranging colors no nothing they're just there as they are very important thing about the chrome post project in the beginning is that there is no artistic nor aesthetic intention in it i don't try to match my colors i don't look at the color that was yesterday or the week before i just open my picker and pick a color that reflects my day and that's about it they just pile up they just you know build up the this entire uh, uh, color feed kind of just grows and after a while Every now and then, I open that archive and I see this like, oh wow, this is, this is interesting. Let's do something with it. I so I started painting, transforming, you know, screen color into analog color. Here's one. Here's one little, a little uh, example of December, two thousand and thirteen. Yeah. And I actually manually mixed all these, oh, all paint. these, all these paints based on screen. I scanned them with, uh, with Node just to just to just to adjust you know color just to Get be right. yeah. as accurate as possible but actually 80% of creative process for this was actually getting the right color getting the right paint oh interesting applying and painting it just maybe 20 or 30% of it <laughs> so that's basically you know uh, and this is actually the layout of uh, calendar layout of of december this is sunday mm. and monday Tuesday, etc. Oh. Et this is actually like a calendar. And you have this like color field painting. So I'm trying to like explore that that type of so, that type of uh, creative creative expression. Just taking a chunk of your diary, don't think about it, don't rearrange it, just apply it on some form. So I did several paintings and that's that's a very, very exciting that's a very exciting branch. What, what did it do for you personally with regards to your awareness of color? Uh, that's another very good question. When I walk down the street and uh, uh, when I look at the world around me, I think I notice color just as I did before. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not quite sure or I'm not aware that I became more perceptive. All right. I notice this and then I'm like, oh, okay, this is oh, interesting. But I'm much more perceptive of not so super bright colors. You know, the stuff that we don't, these little subtle changes, these subtle, subtle, beautiful hues that often get overseen, it, overlooked. Is that a result of Chroma Post? Or, or? It is. That's what I I'm think, getting at. I think, I think it is because, you know, when people think about colors, they always think like, oh, red, there's only bright red. Yeah, the three primaries, the, the three secondaries, the three tertiaries. Oh, we're done. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the bright green. But there's so, so many, right. like, zen and one. 
variant of the green. So uh, let me just go back to Chrome Post. I did a lot of paintings. I did a lot of um, graphics based yeah. on based on these sequences. I did even recently uh, when I started celebrating five years of Chrome Post. I started doing data visualizations, trying to analyze all these colors <laughs> and they they turn into beautiful. <laughs> You know images, yeah. but one of the biggest one of the biggest outgrowths. So I have these many outgrowths right. of you know that I that I create out of that color diary. Right. But one of the biggest and probably most successful so far is a Chrome Post installation that happened in, if I'm not mistaken, 2011. It lasted to 2012, mm -hmm. and between two bridges. Uh, Manhattan Bridge and Brooklyn Bridge right. in Dumbo section, the uh, river section of Brooklyn, uh, near the East River. Um, uh, Dumbo Arts Festival and Art Bridge Gallery and NGO from Chelsea. Um, uh, they got this enormous, enormous scaffolding, 300 feet long, and they needed an artist to put something on it. And, our, and that's very difficult, 300 feet, yeah, to, to cover in like any kind of art. Like a football field. And yeah. exactly, it's, it's just, it's huge. It's not very tall, but it's just very, very, it's, it's enormous. And they were thinking, they were flipping through my book, and one of them said like, oh my God, we have the answer. It's, it's Chromopost. It's Chromopost. We can do actually two years of Chromopost <laughs> on that scaffolding. And they actually did that. And it was an absolutely amazing, amazing result how a sequence of 700 or so colors can transform the entire neighborhood. I have photo here. And this is how it turned. Yeah, it looks, it looks like you, someone sat down and tried to figure out all the colors. But Exactly, but they're just a sequence. They're just a sequence. Just a sequence. Uh, you know, uh, nothing has changed. Nothing is intervened with. It's just a sequence of two years of my colors. Yeah. You know, yeah. on my Chrome post feed, and it ended up on this scaffolding, and it was there for a year. And that actually prompted me to develop the project even more because the reactions were absolutely amazing. People loved it. And I, I, I was trying to find out what actually people like there, you know, because it's to them, it's what just a yeah. random sequence of colors. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, there's no two colors that match there. Right. There's no repeating colors because exactly. it's really hard to pick the same color randomly. It's really almost impossible. But people really loved it and transformed the entire neighborhood. There's a huge, you know, Instagram and Flickr feed with people photographing it, being engaged in front of it. You were like two people got engaged. And it was part of a movie and a TV show and all sorts of stuff. So it was really amazing. But what uh, the main point here is why people liked it so much. And then I realized that, you know, like one of the main things that I realized with Chrome Post is that there's no such thing as mismatching colors. Right. That's, that's another convention that, that, you know, we are slaves to. It just like there's no, you know, like when I was a kid, like brown and blue was like the, sh the biggest no-no ever. Exactly. You're not supposed to use brown and blue that, yeah. or you die or something like that. I'm like, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Everything is, everything is just a cultural convention. So if this is just a 
sequence of colors, and when people would walk by it, there's also this this there's this cinematic quality of it, because you're just like watching like a movie, like changing this guy, and you notice these trends and changes and stuff, and people just walking up and down. It's like 300 feet. I even taped it once. I was there with a camera. There's like a little video on Chrome Post YouTube channel, and there is definitely this also cinematic quality to it. It's something, it's something that goes on in the brain. You know, the other, the other uh, idea I think that, or notion that this uh, reinforces is that you can start with color first. In fact, you could start with color and not necessarily have a predefined reason what color and why you're doing it and evolve a story back from that. Exactly. It's exactly. Like the entire generation of, you know, color field artists in the United States of the 50s and Lineford. the 60s, Barnett, Newman, Frank Stella, you know, and the lot of them, they just used color randomly. They used color paint, color paint as a ready-made. They would just, you know, as poor artists, they would just go to this cheap store, buy unlabeled cans, yeah, yeah. and they would know what color it is was when they opened the can and it was like pink and they were like okay today i'm gonna paint pink it's that's a very very radical i find that that switch that happened very very interesting very very enriching and radical because they all stated that they hated joseph alberts <laughs> and bauhaus and harmonizing everything and uh uh, the thing with Joseph Albers and the, it's a great uh, book, though you know it is an amazing book. It's book. Exactly, it's an. I call it a Bible. I call it a Bible because of just like one, one, one reason. Not about like all these effects of like simultaneous contrasts and and all this stuff that he's like teaching there, but about one single statement, and that is that color is relative. Yeah. Color is relative and it depends on its context and it's ever changing. Right. It's never fixed. And that's one of the biggest truths, if there are any truth about like color, that's the truth. It's always it's very unstable, it depends on the context and it's very relative and relational. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really, I really, I really, I really love 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 his major work. But just to go back to the uh uh color field painting, they just treated color as a ready-made, as an object, as something that is not just cherry on top, something that is not just glazing, something that is not just added, but is the object itself, is the material itself, is the topic and theme of their work, you know. So that's, that's a huge change, and I like to think about color that way, too, when I create my outgrowths from from Chrome Post 2. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being an inspiration to me personally and to uncovering um, deep thoughts, you know, different perspectives <laughs> with regards to just turning this whole notion of color around differently, providing some kind of a toe into, you know, how how we as storytellers, for instance, could could start playing with color. Maybe it's just as simple as carrying your phone around with you and this week I'm gonna just take pictures of things that attract me from a color point of view or, or whatever it is. Find an inspiration for you that allows you to work with color for the sake of color and balance out all that other stuff that you may or may not know about color. Yes, well that's 
that's true. Uh, what I what I what I'm actually aiming at is is be more free about color. Yeah. Be just completely, completely free and honest with yourself. Like, if I'm going to wear the, if I'm going to wear, I like these magenta socks. I'm just going to wear them. Yeah. It might yeah. look completely outrageous. Mm -hmm. It will, won't fit. Like, it just, it just, <laughs> just because. <laughs> ridiculous. Just because. But the point, as the point with fashion always is, it doesn't matter what you wear, but how you wear it. Yes. If you really feel that's you, what you're wearing, that you can wear right. a plastic bag, you can wear <laughs> a potato sack, right. and you would look absolutely great. And that's what I'm trying to achieve. I just want to say a couple of lines about Chrome Post social network. You go for it. Yes, yeah. please. Um, one of the biggest uh, apart from this installation and we actually i didn't i didn't mention that when the installation went down we recycled the entire vinyl into bags so brooklyn industries wow. actually uh, uh, fashion company from new york uh recycled that into bags and every single ba bag was unique so and you can have a bag with like five days of my life. Oh, oh, oh. oh, now I see. I saw the bags, but I didn't realize that it was related to that. Made, yeah. They're actually made of this vinyl. Far out. And yeah. And, you know, so all these colors, I just want to go back to a couple of other, I think, important notions that I never, I never use descriptive uh, color terms. I never call them red or magenta. Oh, that's a good so, point. Yeah, I forgot exactly. about that. I use a very sterile hexadecimal code, uh -huh. RGB code, to describe every every single Chrome post I post, right. just for the sake of reproduction. Because I think I just, I like to get rid of uh, everything that can bring noise between you and expressing that color. As soon as you say red, yeah. You're start you're starting to think about exactly. red this or that about communists or about the movie red <laughs> or about I don't know blood or about God knows what. Right. Yeah. So language taints a lot. Uh, maybe it's too a harsh word, but let's say taints. Yeah. So I'm just using hexadecimal code, and that's all I use. So every single strip of color in my color feed, there's just a date and a hex hexadecimal code and that's all there is right. all you see is color but uh, let me just go back to that to the final uh, not final but one of the kind of greatest outgrowths that I did of the Chrome Post uh, project and that's the Chrome Post social network uh, this kind of logic that I used in my own practice in my own art practice it's kind of back to just like be offered to other people like why not? Well, like if you're blogging in color, and I like to call it nano blogging, because that's like a further yeah. step from micro blogging, micro -blogging. Which, yeah, is, even which, small, is, yeah, yeah. which is Twitter. So we are kind of compressing and atomizing our internet communication and online uh, communication. And I was always interested, you know, this totally fed into this notion of like going uh, even one step further. Right. What can be shorter than four hundred and forty characters? <laughs> but you just have to abandon the language. One color. Yeah. And use just one color yeah. because this one color acts as a um, compressed file. Yeah. It looks very simple, but it is so charged with different variety of meaning. There, you know what I mean. True. Yes, so I do. That's 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 uh, that's what I like about it. So uh, I decided to create a social media platform for other people to do the same thing, and there are uh, different different 
options that uh, how, how does here. someone get to that? Uh, Chromopost.com uh -huh. is a central website for the entire project. Okay. Everything you want to know about Chromopost there. is okay. there. And Chromopost.net is a separate domain for Chromopost social network right. where you can apply and uh, we'll send you a little email. It's still not open. It's in very Beta. heavy testing phase, almost two years, but we're going to open this autumn, I promise. <laughs> uh, it's it's easy to get in. Just send me a request. Yeah. Just send us a request through the website. Right. We'll approve it. You can register and start Chrome Post. Okay. What's new with Chrome Post uh, social network as opposed as, you know, opposed to what I do on my ChromePost.com basic uh, Chroma, ChromePost feed. On my ChromePost feed on ChromePost.com, I post a so-called daily ChromePost. Right. It's a color that summarizes your entire day. Right. But on ChromePost.net, uh, social network, you have an option to post to ChromePost of the moment. Like right now, I would like to communicate something. I would like to communicate an emotion, and I'm just going to post a color. Yes. You can send it as a message, and you can do the traditional. Mm -hmm. You can do the traditional um, Chrome post of the day. Yeah. There's another apart from nanoblogging and color and compressed information. Uh, there's another aspect that I find very very interesting and unexploited and unexplored in social media. That's emotion. Yeah. Emotions. Uh, I always like like to. I always like to warn people, I'm not dabbling into any kind of... A friend of mine asked me, like, are you, like, into new age stuff? Is this, like, mood rings? And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I just, like, want to warn everybody that this okay. is not any mean. kind of, like, weird cabal type of, like, yeah. new age sitting in Arizona waiting for aliens. The and moment I'm to occur, yes. Touching mm -hmm. crystals and all that stuff. No, this has got, this got nothing to do with that. <laughs> but the the... The thing is, we are there's there's not an efficient channel of communicating your own emotions. Right. We have emoticons. We can we can put our emotions in language. We can put our emotions in images. Right. You know, even Facebook has these like moods, so you can pick a mood. I feel exhilarated. I feel blessed. I right. feel this and that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I find that I find that not being totally sufficient. And I find that communicating emotions is not exploited. So that's another thing that I would like to exploit here is just for people to feel free to communicate their emotions. Right. But not in a very predefined way like, oh, I'm depressed today. What does that mean? It can mean anything. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. I'm kind of mood or melancholy or I'm happy. Well, how happy are you? I have no idea what you're telling me, right? Mm, yeah. I'm not saying that I'll have a better idea if you give me a color either. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering <laughs> <But> about that. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I'm not pretending that I just invented sure. like something. Oh, amazing! It's an old thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, people feel much more free, much more free, and much more they f they feel their inner emotions much more nuanced. Yeah, they're not boxed into these predefined categories of like Fair happy, enough. sad, this or that, Fair and enough. stuff like that. But it can be like very, very undefined language, but I can define it in color. Right. And that's a very liberating thing. Right. Apart from that, on ChromePost.net, in this social network, one the big, big, big thing that I'm developing right now is to allow users to create art out of their 
uh, color feed. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that I really, really absolutely enjoy. There is a, a testing phase uh, there already. It's called Make Art. You just click on it. And I offer users uh, geometric templates and they can actually fill it with their own colors mm -hmm. and they have an absolutely unique work of art that nobody can repeat ever again, which is amazing. <laughs> and in three clicks, every non-artist could actually make art. <laughs> Similar to the logic of Instagram, for instance, uh -huh. that enabled everybody to make cool photos. Right. Everybody can snap a cool photo. Right. And this is, this is a field that I would like to exploit and to give a really, really good boundaries so it, ne it, it, it can never turn totally bad or ugly, mm -hmm. right? Right. And in three clicks, you can actually, from your own emotions, from your own emotional color f feed, you can create art and then print it, have it on a mug, on a t-shirt, or in any other form. So that's the direction of the Chrome Post social network where I'm heading. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your inputs on this. I, I just can't wait to get this post up for us. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It was All a pleasure. Right.